What's going on, y'all? It's Kilo. Back for another episode of the regular podcast on the regular network. Uh, before we go any further, because I'm not going to keep y'all that long. Before we go any further, make sure you like, share, comment, subscribe. You know, tell a friend to tell a friend. Tell a friend. Force a friend to watch the show. Subscribe to the show. All that good stuff. Um, the first thing I want to get into real quick is this disgusting situation. I know it's been done to death, the Uvalde shooting in Texas, the school shooting. I know many people have talked about it, but recently this week, the, like the full video of the whole incident came out, right? So I felt like I just needed to speak on it because it's just a, it's just a wild situation. And um, I think those children were failed by pretty much everybody involved, except for maybe the parents, because the parents were actually trying to save them. But I would say, you know, school officials failed them. The, the district failed them with their standards and practices. The police force definitely failed them. I mean, pretty much everybody involved, I feel like, failed them except for their parents. So, you know, the video came out and it shows the guy, the shooter. He was driving his car down the street. He crashed it. They say he was running from the police. He crashed his vehicle at the corner. Uh, he hopped out of his vehicle with his weapon, some type of assault rifle, right? He's walking. You, you can see him walking around outside. Then eventually he walks up to the school with his rifle out. Now, to me, this is step number one of where those kids were failed. So the police were chasing him, they say. He crashed his vehicle. Why wasn't a call made to the school immediately to shut the school down? Lockdown immediately. There's a shooter outside, a crazy, crazy man outside. Or you don't have to say shooter. You just say there's a man outside armed and dangerous. Shut the school down. That's first step. That should have happened from the jump. That didn't happen. On the police end, that didn't happen. Then this guy's walking around outside. Then he walks to the school, walks right into school. Second failure. Now, I grew up in the black schools, black school systems, urban school districts in different places. I went to school in Ohio, went to school in Pennsylvania, I went to school in North Carolina, and my kids go to school in Georgia. In black school districts, the school is locked. What, what do I mean by that? I mean, you can't just walk into a school, into a black school, during pretty much any time of the day other than when they are receiving kids in the morning and when they're dismissing kids in the afternoon. Other than that, the school doors are locked. You can't just walk in, okay? Now, it's a gift and a curse when you see all these school shootings. So it's a, it's a gift because now you, you rarely hear about these like mass school shootings in the black schools. The only time there's a, a gun incident, firearm incident in the black schools is because a student who was supposed to be there actually brought a weapon to the school. That's pretty much the only times you hear about that. But at a lot of these these mass school shootings that we hear about where a random adult walks in and shoots a bunch of kids, it's normally at non-black schools. And it's because they're not on lockdown the way black kids are on lockdown. So when I say gift and a curse, it's a gift for us because it keeps our kids safe from things like that, right? So that's failure number two on the school officials because why was somebody able to just walk directly in? They didn't have to buzz in, they didn't have to walk past an office and, and no administrator stopped them on the way there. So 
you pretty much leave these kids open to whatever can happen from the outside world. All right. So they were failed on that aspect as well. Not only that, then he went and walked down long hallways to get to wherever he was going without any intervention. Nobody stepped in. The only person who peeked out the, and saw him in the hallway was another student. No other adult said, hey, what are you doing in the school? Or what? Nobody said anything to him. On top of that, I'm assuming there's no security guard in the school. Another difference between black schools and non-black schools. They keep police and security in black schools. Sometimes armed. All right. Uh, they, nobody said anything to him. His first contact with the person inside the school was when he walked into the classroom and started shooting people. Nobody tried to scream, yell, hey, stop. No, it never happened. So, and, and by the time he was in the classroom shooting people, you know, by that time it's too late. Even if he only shot a couple kids and just stopped right there, that was still too many. Those kids could have been saved. But he, he, he was in these classrooms for an hour almost, shooting people. The police came in the building finally, and even when they came in the building, they didn't stop him. They just sat in the hallway like they weren't trained in combat, or not, not trained in combat, but it, they sat in the hallway like they weren't trained to save people in situations like this, okay? I would assume that in, in modern America, when school shootings happen fairly often, I would say fairly often because it should never happen at all, but we hear about them enough that they happen too much. So police training should include some type of procedure for what to do when a school shooter is, is, is going on, right? These guys stayed in the hallway. They did nothing. They hung back. You know, even when they started to make their way, maneuver down the hallway, when they heard shooting, they ran away. We're not just talking about running away from gunshots, right? If gunshots are directed at you and you, you can tell like somebody's shooting at you, okay, it's good, take cover. But when, when you see them in this video running away, that's them running away from children being shot. Not them running away because they're being shot at. The police were, these guys weren't, the ones in the hallway weren't being shot at. They're running away from the kids that are being killed. You got to think about that. When I say failing, they failed the kids. Like they're running away from children being slaughtered. When, when the shooting first happened, they said that a report came out that these children were so badly damaged from gunshots that they were unrecognizable. Right? Just think about how many times he was shooting each kid for them to be unrecognizable and where he was shooting them on their body for them to be unrecognizable. And the police were running away from that, right? These are the same people who like to, when a, when a black man is walking down the street with his hands in his pocket, they wanna arrest him and jump on him, five police officers on one person just because he might have maybe committed a crime, maybe one day thought about it or something like that. You understand? Yet, this guy's in a school shooting kids and y'all are running away from it. It is really just sick. And then eventually some tact some real tactical people came in. They didn't hang back in any way. They went straight to the classroom where he was at and they executed him fairly quickly from the time that they walked in the building. It didn't take them long at all. And you can see the difference in uniform there. They were a completely separate team or unit. 
I mean, to me, it's just disgusting. I really, I heard reports that they were supposed to demolish the school. They don't think that it would be, you know, right to send anybody back in a school building that that type of massacre happened in. I think they need to shut the whole town down. I think every police officer needs to be fired. I think all officials need to be fired. Just completely evacuate the city, go start over somewhere else, go join another town with some better leaders in it. That city should be done. The police officers on the inside of the building were useless. And then they were macing and attempting to arrest parents outside for trying to do something about it, trying to go in, help kids. You know, you've seen the one mother on the news who actually broke away from the police, ran in the building and got her children out of the building before the police ever did. So that like that just goes to tell you what type of people these were in, in uniform that day. And this is why I always say there's there's a big difference between these dudes who stay and become American police, police in America, versus dudes who join the military and get trained. And it's not to, you know, big up anybody who's more who's who's more of a killer than other people, but it's just who are you really trying to protect when you become a police officer? Like dudes really need to be more honest about that. They don't really care to protect and defend. They're looking for easy brutality, easy abuse, and they want to abuse the power. They don't actually want to protect. There's too many instances where they are being overly violent with people who don't deserve it and then being overly docile with people who need extreme violence enacted upon them. Okay? It's just it's, it's too weird. You know, when you talk about the military, it's, it's, it's all about rushing in the room. Not the whole military is not about this, but people who deal in firearms training and, and things like that, just like police do. Police shoot probably hundreds or thousands of rounds when they train. I'm sure of it. And I'm sure they do some type of tactical training. People who are trained like that in the military, they go, they, they are trained to go into rooms where there are shooters and hit targets and save people and in a split second distinguish between who is a, a, an enemy and who is friendly that's the type of mindset that you're supposed to have when you're in this type of position not oh i hear children being killed because they're screaming the kids are screaming as other kids next to them are being killed the police officers are not supposed to hear children screaming and run away from them that that just think about this. People are like, oh, they didn't sign up for this. Like they, you know, they had to, they did sign up for this. This is exactly what they signed up for. What, what do they, what do they think is going to happen when you join the police force? You just think everything is about saving cats out of trees and traffic stops and giving people tickets for speeding. Like there's firearm violence in America. So if you sign up to be a police officer in America and there's some firearm violence happening, you should definitely be rushing into rooms and rushing into buildings to save kids when they're being shot by a lunatic, okay? It's, um, it's really just sick. I'm not, I'm not, there's really no other way to put that. I'm, I'm gonna just go ahead and leave that alone, man. Y'all let me know what y'all think. I'm, you know, there's, there'll be some clips in here for you to look at because it's just, it's just craziness. On a lighter note, you know, we got the president's son whose iCloud was hacked Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, 
is just, he's off the chain, man, as they say. The guy is, you know, he has he has history with, with drug use. And a video just recently came out where Hunter Biden is in a hotel room or some type of, he looked like in a, you know, like a white trap house or something. Going back and forth with a lady that they say is a prostitute. They, as in the people on the internet, say is a prostitute. Talking about how much crack is on the scale. They have a, a digital scale there. It's between 20 grams and 21 grams of crack. I don't know if somebody's trying to twist the story and say, no, this was uh, powder cocaine. No, it wasn't. This was rock. He's weighing up some crack on a scale, 20 grams, as the president's son. I'm sure they said the video was old, so I'm sure he was maybe he could have been the vice president's son at that time. He could have been the senator's son at that time. I wouldn't put the video so old that Biden was still a senator. I would say that this is a, a modern cell phone video because Hunter Biden is recording himself in this video. When he first turns on the camera, the camera is facing him. Then he hits the he hits the button to reverse it so he can show the crack. I'm I'm really just trying to understand like why he was recording himself weighing crack. Like what was he doing? You got to be really like gone off off drugs to be thinking I'm a high high political figure son. I smoke crack. Not only do I smoke crack, I smoke crack with prostitutes. Not only do I smoke crack with prostitutes, I keep videos of myself handling crack in my phone and in my iCloud. Like what, what? I'm I'm really trying to I'm trying to grasp it. Like, you know, I've known some crazy crackheads in my day. You know what I'm saying? I, they do crazy things, but none of them have been the president's son. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I would put this video somewhere like, no, this has to be after 2010. Like, Joe Biden was probably the vice president when this was going on. Like, this wasn't some old flip phone footage. This was normal camera footage, modern phone camera footage. You know, so, you know, Hunter Biden is just telling the girl, first of all, him and the girl clearly were high at the time because they were talking about two grams or 2.7 grams and all that. Like it was 20 grams on the, on a scale. So I don't understand the whole two gram thing. But again, they were probably both on crack right then at the time. Allegedly, I don't know. It's just like, what what is going on? Like, what do y'all prefer? Y'all prefer the president who gets on Twitter and talks crazy? Or y'all prefer a president who locks millions of black people up for crack, but has a son that's doing crack freely and has never been to prison at all? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, neither one of them should be president, but like, yo, y'all really picked this one over that one? When he's locking all of your kids up and all of our brothers and sisters and all that type, locking us up about hard and his son got 20 running around with 20 grams of crack how much they would if they would have found a black man with 20 grams of crack he'd have he'd have got 20 years in jail when biden was running around here talking that crime bill talk they'd have got 20 years for that and they'd have called him a distributor probably try to put him in a gang and everything enhanced his whole sentence yet hunter biden can is so comfortable playing with crack that he's recording himself playing with it just think about this, man. I don't. I really don't. I really don't know what, like, 
They used to be like, we're doomed. When they seen Trump throwing the, um, throwing the paper towels to the people in Puerto Rico, like that type of stuff is just like ignorant. Like, why would you do that? You know what I'm saying? But it's not like, I mean, it's ignorant. I can't say it's, it's, it's some foolishness. But to lock up millions of people and then your son is doing the same thing and he's not in trouble at all, like that's insidious. That's different. Okay? That's different, man. I'm I wanna switch I wanna switch gears completely, right? Because you know some racial tension going on between different races in America. And it's not really races like cultures. There's some there's some cultural tension going on between different cultures in America right now. And it's been going on for a long time. It's not a new thing. But did y'all hear Tiger's new song called Ay Caramba. Tiger has a song called Ay Caramba. And it is a complete, it's causing a complete uproar in the hip-hop Mexican-American community or, or younger Mexican-American community. It's causing, a, it's causing real issues out, especially in LA. Causing big problems. Not like not to say things have gotten violent or anything like that, but things have been violent between Mexican-Americans and black Americans for years. So there's already that type of tension, but pretty much Tiger put this song out and then he put a video out that was very distasteful. It's almost like he found like every Mexican stereotype that he could find and not even just stereotype because some of this stuff is not a stereotype of Mexicans. It's just like, stereotypes of like Latino people globally. He took like a whole bunch of stuff and just mixed it together and pretty much considered it, I guess, in his mind, Latin culture. And he put it all in his video. But he's like taunting them and mocking them. So pretty much, I, I would say definitely watching the video is definitely super cringy. I don't know why he made it. I'm not sure what he was thinking about. But they, they, they own them right now. The Mexican-American community, especially in Southern California, is on Tiger's head right now. One of the prominent voices in, in the Mexican-American community on YouTube, his name is American, or his channel's name is American Cholo. Y'all should check him out. He seems like he, you know, he knows a lot about the culture and what's going on, and he's defending his people. You know, he's a 40-something-year-old Mexican, and he pretty much got on Tiger like, bro, this is the equivalent of if a white person was to dress up like Shaka Zulu and, you know, walk around in a video rapping some whatever, you know, just rapping some stereotypical stuff. And if they had like a fat black man and greasy black man on a couch eating watermelon with watermelons falling out the sky. Like this is what he said. This is the, this is the equivalent of. Because if you look at Tiger's video, he has like this fat Mexican or he's dressed up as like a fat Mexican dude sitting there eating like a big bowl of nachos on a couch you know the, the house looks like stereotypically what people might think a Mexican house might look like then when he goes outside he's driving in the, in the you know the old school classic vehicle like the Cholos or whatever then he got the bullfighting going on there's like a whole bunch of stereotype stuff <clears throat> and the Mexican American community is not feeling it. American Cholo said Somebody need to smack Tiger when they see him about this. Like, they really are not feeling it. So then, 
another prominent voice in the Mexican American community. His name is Duno. He's a he's a character on the No Jumper Network, uh, and he has his own stuff going on also. And then he came out and said he pretty much told the Mexicans like, "Hey, y'all so worried about Tiger? You y'all are arguing back and forth with each other about Tiger's opinion." when y'all should really be worrying about unifying and coming together and let's building, not building with black people, but he's saying Mexican people need to work together with each other and look out for each other instead of just trying to beef about this Tiger song or whatever. So pretty much what Duno was saying is that when the Tiger song came out, a lot of different Mexican Americans were giving their opinions on it and some of them were disagreeing with each other and it was causing like beef between the people that were disagreeing, but y'all are fighting over a black man's song about y'all. So why would y'all be fighting about that? It just don't even make sense. So that's what Duno was saying. And then American Cholo came right back out and was like, Duno, that was whack that you did that. Instead of us all focusing on one thing, you're trying to deflect the situation back onto us. And now, you know, we can't, we're we not getting anywhere now because now we're really just all arguing with each other. And the reason I connected with this so much is because I see that in the, in the Mexican-American community, culture, they are, they are starting to get more vocal about what they have going on in their community, especially as it relates or contrasts with pop culture. And they don't like some of the things going on. They don't like some of the ways that they're portrayed. And that's how we, we feel the same way a lot of times as black Americans. We feel like we don't like the way we're portrayed, but we have a more prominent position in culture and pop culture in America than they do because we are more dominant in these spaces because we create a lot of it, right? In this country, we create a lot of it, most of it, almost all of it. So we're more prominent, so we have a bigger voice than they do. But, but I feel them because it's like, when, when one of us as black people say we have a problem with something that we feel is racist, then we have a lot of other black people coming out and defending the race, what we feel is racist. And they say, oh, why are y'all focused on that? Y'all need to be focused on this other thing. It's like, why are you deflecting from our problem? If you don't have a problem with it, just leave it alone. You don't have to say anything. Let us have the problem that we have. You get out the way. You don't even need to. So essentially what they're, it's like they they don't have a, I don't know if they have a word for it or not, but it's almost like they're saying, Duno is cooning a little bit. Like what black people would say cooning, I don't know what they would call it in, in Spanish, but it's like they're saying Duno is a little bit, it's like cooning a little bit. Cooning for black people, pretty much. Because he's on shows with black people, he's around black culture a lot. And they, they're like, bro, why are you defending this? Like, get out the way. You sit on on your little shows and let all them black dudes say racist Mexican jokes to you and all, all the time and you don't do nothing about it, even though he does speak up. I'm just telling y'all what they are saying about him. And it's, it's interesting to me. I'm just like, man, I never even, I, I haven't, I always wondered, do other people, other cultures treat what we would call a coon? Do they treat them as traitors and how do they treat them when it's, when it's a race specific or a culture specific thing? Because in black, in the black culture and black community in America, we look at some things as like a race first type of thing. It doesn't really matter about your personal opinion. Keep your personal opinion to yourself. And if, if it's different from a lot of other black opinions in this country, we look at you as like a traitor or we, you know, they'll call it a coon. 
So I was always, I always wondered, do other cultures treat their people like that too when they go against the grain? And this is really my first time noticing it. It probably happens more, but this is my first time noticing it. And it's very interesting to me. So I want y'all to, you know, check that out. The, you know, it's very interesting. And this is all going on over Tiger song that never even needed to come out. Tiger has done this before with, he had a Go Loco song. I guess it didn't cause as much of an issue because it wasn't as many uh, racist stereotypes in his video. So they didn't give him as much flack as they did this time. This time they're going crazy in LA about it. And when you have Mexicans deflecting from the, from the ones who are trying to fight against this type of activity, I can see why they will have a problem with that. You know what I'm saying? Especially with the history between Mexican or Latino people in America versus black people. It's been a violent, violent, violent history in America that's largely unspoken about outside of like the streets. And I don't understand it why it's so unspoken about. You know what I'm saying? Because they try to do this whole like black and brown thing, like this black and brown unity thing that they just like force and try to act like actually exists, but it, it doesn't exist and it never existed. There's never been a unity. There has been a violent relationship with black people in America and Latin people, Latin American people, not just in America, in the islands also, you know, with the Dominicans versus the Haitians. It's just everywhere that black people and Hispanic or Latino people live within close proximity, there's high violence between the two. Okay. And especially in Southern California, New York City also. So, man, I want y'all to look into that, man. That's, that's a very interesting topic to me, you know. If there's any other, you know, these, like, cultural clash things, y'all let me know about them, too, because I want to look into them. I really want to look into them. Now, Damon, Damon Wayans went on Hot 97, uh, Hot 97 radio show with Ebro in the morning, and, you know, he was doing an interview. I think it was a great interview. Y'all should go check it out. But he says something very, he says something very interesting, though. They asked him about Chappelle, about Dave Chappelle's new special on Netflix. And he kind of said, like, Chappelle made a statement about, you know, he challenges any of his peers, like comedian peers, to make a better stand-up than his last stand-up, The Closer or whatever. And Damon Wayans was like, I mean, okay, that's fine. He kind of, you could tell he was holding something back, but he didn't really want to say it. But you could tell he was thinking that Chappelle, he doesn't think Chappelle is funnier than him. And I'll be real, I don't think he's funnier than Damon Wayans either, just to be clear. I did not know Damon Wayans was 61 years old, though. That's that's wild to me. I feel like, I don't know why, I just felt like I grew up connected with this dude so much in the whole Wayans family, but I didn't think he was that much older than me. But, I mean, it makes sense. He's been around for a long time. But, uh, and then he pretty much said about his new special that it's that he feels that they are blurring the lines with Chappelle and Chappelle is doing speeches and they're calling them specials. He said they're blurring the lines. He said don't do that because you need to you need to figure out if you're doing a special or if somebody's taking advantage of you because you're special. And I was like he has a good point there. So y'all let me know what y'all think. You know, I'll probably put the little clip in here showing what he said. I think it's very interesting. I want to know what y'all think because I feel kind of the same way. Chappelle is kind of getting away from the comedy that a lot of us would, a lot of us consider actually funny comedy. And he is more like doing TED Talks, honestly. 
you know. And I love Chappelle. I think Chappelle is more of a legend because of his TV show, though. I don't think that Chappelle's stand-up comedy is up there with the people. I consider the funniest stand-up comedians. You know, there's different comedy. You know, you got stand, you got sitcom comedy. You have now, you have the internet comedy. You have stand-up comedy. You have movie comedy. You know, there's different type writers. You know, people who write movies and scripts and things like that. That type of comedy is all different. But and I feel like Chappelle is a genius when it comes to like the, the the sketch skits and all that type of stuff. I think he's a genius when it comes to that type of thing because his show was genius. But stand up, he's a smart person. But the stand up is not the funniest thing in the world. You know what I'm saying? That's not a knock on him. I just think his lane is TV, not even movies like TV. Um, salute to Damon. Wayans, salute to the whole Wayans family. You know what I'm saying? I'm a big Wayans family fan, just like probably a whole lot of y'all are. Um, I don't have really, I don't have too many, too too much else. I did want to, there was another, there's another story I did want to tell you. I told y'all about my wax story. You know, that was an epic fail. I got another, I got another kind of like an epic fail story for y'all, man. Did I tell y'all about the time I was a wedding videographer for an actual wedding. Let me tell let me just give you a brief rundown of what was going on, right? So about ten years ago, you know, I'm doing my cameraman thing. I, I did rap videos, I did photo shoots and all that type of stuff. So I'm like, you know what, it's time for me to take the next step up and get bigger money. So I'm about to start doing weddings. I'm gonna start doing wedding videography and I'm gonna start making big bread. Thousands on thousands of dollars for each gig. That's what I'm thinking. But I'm already knowing since I don't have a portfolio, I'm going to have to take pennies at first so I can get me a portfolio, start building a portfolio up, right? So I post a Craigslist ad because that's what was going on at this time. Craigslist was big. You can advertise yourself on there easily. Post a Craigslist ad, list ad and say, you know, wedding videographer, you know, contact me, whatever. I probably use some fake videos from somebody else. I don't know. This dude from New Jersey hit me up. He was like, hey. I was living in Virginia at the time. He hit me up. He's like, hey, I got a gig down in Virginia. Uh, I need a videographer. It's really my gig, but I'm going to just pay you a couple of dollars on the side so you can come get the video for me. You don't have to edit anything. All you got to do is record it and then give it to me. He's like, I'll give you $300 for that. I'm like, okay, cool. Like I said, I just need to get my foot in the door, right? So I get there. You know, I'm there early. I'm super early. I'm earlier than down there the wedding party like the bride and her mom was like the only people there at the church and it's in rural virginia like somewhere it's not in the seven cities it's like out in the middle of nowhere so and he's a, this is a black couple so i get there i'm doing all the you know getting all this b-roll and everything b-rolls like side shots things that you can cut in and out of the main action shots or whatever so i'm doing all that then the wedding starts you know, it's, it's, it's cool. We vibing. I'm getting the vows and everything like that. And then I'm realizing <clears throat> as the actual wedding part is ending, coming to an end, that my battery light is flashing and my battery is about to die now. And we, the reception hasn't even started yet. So I'm like, oh, snap. So I'm, 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 but like I said, I'm new to this. I'm not even, I never did an all day shoot like this. So I'm like, damn. I only had one battery at the time. 
So my battery's about to die. Reception didn't even start yet. So I'm having to like keep it together. So my camera dies like like soon as they said kiss the bride or whatever, my camera died. So then I have to go sneak off somewhere and charge my battery, like at, at the reception hall. I had to go to the reception hall, charge my battery as much as I could before anybody saw me, before any, especially the guy who hired me, before he saw me, anything like that. So I'm sneaking to charge my battery while the wedding and everything is happening. Then, you know, so I get that back, you know, recording again, still not fully charged, but I'm just doing what I can. I'm recording, recording. And then now it's time to cut the cake. So as soon as they, as soon as they pretty much got the knife ready to cut the cake, my, my joint died again on me. Like as the, and you know, the cake cutting is a major part of the wedding reception, right? So my joint died right at the cake cutting. So I really, I'm like, and you know, you know, when everybody gathers around the cake for the cutting, like everybody's right there. So I couldn't do anything but hold my camera and fake like I was recording everything. I'm, I'm zooming in on their faces. I'm doing all type of stuff. I'm circling around people. I'm making it look good, but I'm not recording anything. My camera is completely dead at this point. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, what can I do? I can't, all I can do is fake it. You know, I just had to fake it for, for the time being. The whole festivities are still going on and all that, you know. I had to sneak off again and plug my plug my battery back in and by the time I got back, you know, Cupid Shuffle was happening and all that, so I was able to record that. But, you know, I missed a couple key elements of a wedding. You know what I'm saying? I never even man, I might have I I snuck out of that wedding, man. I didn't even want to tell the guy. I think he paid me already. He might have paid me before when I first got there or something like that. I didn't even want to tell him like, bro, I got the worst footage. And it was when I look back on it, it wasn't like the worst footage ever, but I felt like it was the worst footage in history because I missed key moments. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, I just snuck up out of there, man. I got loot, I got low while the wedding was kind of, the reception was kind of still going on a little bit. I'm like, man, I'm out of here. I probably like just put the drop, put the footage in the Dropbox, sent it to him. I never even hit him back or nothing. Like I never spoke to him again. He never hit me up. He probably seen it, was pissed and just, you know what I'm saying? Got up out of there, you know, Needless to say, I never did another wedding after that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I probably could have done some weddings, but I just, I was like, damn, my best in people's footage up, yo. I really did. I didn't have, you know, I didn't have stabilizers, anything. Like, it was shit. It was, it was, this was crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, the footage that you get when you shoot music videos versus what you do in a wedding setting is, is like, not even in the same realm. You understand what I'm saying? So, man, that was that was sad. I, you know, I think about that all the time. Like them people, I hope I didn't put the bad juju on their what, like on their marriage by doing that. I hope that they're still married right now. That was um, almost ten years ago now. That was like the end of 2012, early 2013. But man, I'm definitely gonna put some clips from that in here. I definitely still have that. Y'all gonna see. It wasn't that bad, but it wasn't good tell you that much but it was a $300 job though you know what I'm saying y'all gonna pay a $300 wedding videographer that's what you're gonna get batteries dying and shit like stuff like that um that's all I got for y'all man make sure y'all subscribe to the channel we're trying to get these numbers up 
you know, we 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 doing clips and all that good stuff. You know, we really we really trying to work on some things, man. The regular podcast is back for for the time being. Okay. I appreciate y'all. Peace.